The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Good uh, morning once again, and welcome back to uh, Analyze This. I uh, want to thank Summer Sibley uh, for joining me. Summer Sibley Brown for joining me uh, in uh, our number one agriculture resource fair tomorrow night at uh, 64 West. That's the RT Park upstairs in the conference room. And uh, we will try to uh, get that um, <clears throat> product over in the St. Thomas St. John District as well. Don't forget the job fair uh, going on uh, this morning. It starts at 11 o'clock in St. John at the Legislature Building from 11 to 3, sponsored by the Virgin Islands Department of Labor. It's my understanding that CEO Andrew Smith has joined the the chat this morning. Good morning, Mr. CEO. How are you? I'm good, Neville. Good morning. How are you? Good morning to the listening audience and good morning to the WAPA family. I'm glad to have you on this morning. Uh, let's, let's, let's dovetail on the, on the first hour's discussion, get that out the way. Um, we were talking about um, agriculture and, and how every agency has um, some type of connect, connectivity with other agencies. Uh, is there anything off the top of your head you could do? Um, the Water and Power Authority could do to, to, to help the agriculture industry. You know, water is critical and all that stuff. Uh, just just for small talk, uh, because, uh, you know, the, the pandemic has exposed us, in particular as a territory where we're isolated, we're not a part of a grid, anything like that, and supply chain and all that stuff. Anything you could do, a little conversation with somebody to see how we could help uh, address our needs. I know uh, the Water and Power Authority is up to its neck and issues that you guys are dealing with internally, but at the same time, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. I, I absolutely agree, uh, Neville. And in terms of, of agriculture, you're absolutely right. What water supply is is the most critical uh, that the Water and Power Authority can, can provide. The other, the other avenue or angle where uh, we worked uh, with Commissioner Nelson over at, at agriculture is we have a federally funded project to build solar uh, solar uh, farm uh, uh, on site Croy, and where that is targeted to be built is farmland, right? And so we we worked with uh, with agriculture to you know balance right the solar farm size and where it's located with not using farmland for that. And so we absolutely partner with all of the agencies across the territory for the best outcomes. Uh, you know, be that be that agriculture, be it Department of Public Works when it comes to streetlights, uh, you know, be at the Port Authority. Uh, you know, we, we look to be a good partner to all of the all of the agencies of the territory. Okay, good. Now, talk about you. you, you so you, you, you want to give us a little bit more uh, <clears throat> insider insight uh, input with respect to uh, WAPA's you know, having a, a open door relationship with agencies and government for obvious reasons. Absolutely, you know, Nell. And one of the things that that I've been criticized for by some people is, you know, I, I, I do a lot of media interviews and I tell people the truth. 
Uh, you know, I talk about what's happening at the Water and Power Authority, and unfortunately, some of the story's not good. Uh, you know, we, we have, I think as the community knows, we've struggled with high fuel cost, uh, not just this year, uh, but in 2021 as well. Um, our fuel cost uh, almost doubled uh, in 2021 versus 2020, and nobody said anything. Um, and so I, I, I'm not out talking about negative things, right, because um, I want to, you know, I want to bring people down. I just want to tell people the truth. And so when you ask about the agencies and everybody that we work with, it's exactly from, from that perspective is that I, I want to be as transparent as I possibly can. Uh, and we, we engage with all of our agencies that way. For example, the Public Services Commission. Uh, when I arrived at the Water and Power Authority, that relationship was not good. Uh, the Public Service Commission was very unhappy with what the Water and Power Authority has been doing. And I have worked diligently uh, since I've gotten here to improve that relationship. And I think it has, has significantly improved. And so, you know, my goal out there is to be as clear about what we're doing as I possibly can. I'll make one last point on that is, you know, I've been asked a couple times because I, I am out in the media and elsewhere a lot. People say, well, how do you keep your story straight? And, and I, now I tell people it's really easy because there is no story, right? It's the truth. And the truth you know, doesn't change, right? So there's nothing to keep straight. We just uh, went through a, a highly charged um, election cycle. And I'm sure you heard many, many references to the Water and Power Authority because it is arguably the number one issue here in the territory because it, it impacts cost of living. Um, what's the, the biggest accurate statement that was, that you heard about the authority and the biggest inaccurate statement you heard about the authority throughout the election cycle? Yeah, so, so the, the most accurate thing that I heard through the election cycle is that the Water and Power Authority needs to be fixed, right? That's, that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, and and we, we have a plan to do that, right? And I've been back to transparency. I've talked about that plan. Uh, we put that together uh, in the April-May timeframe, and I've been talking about that ever since anybody who will listen, our federal partners, our GBI partners, you know, our, all of our stakeholders, our banks, our lenders. Um, and, and one of the things I feel very good about, there's been a lot of buy-in uh, to, that, to that plan. Um, and so that, the, the need to fix the Water and Power Authority statement is absolutely accurate. Um, I would go a step further and say we have a plan to fix the Water and Power Authority. I think, this, you know, to me, the statement that's most inaccurate is the, the, you know, the Water and Power Authority needs to do better. And let me explain what I mean by that, because, you know, people say, do better. Absolutely agree, right? Um, there, there, are, there are all areas across the Water and Power Authority where we can do a better job. I would never disagree. However, what gets missed in that statement is that we need to do better, but doing better doesn't fix our problem. And I'll give you an example of how I try to explain that to people, is that let's say I'm driving an old 1975 Chevrolet. And it's got really bad gas mileage. Okay, well, I could do better. I can stop speeding, right? I could not peel out from the stoplight, right? Um, I can turn my air conditioner off. Those little things, you know, quote unquote, doing better, right? Improve my fuel efficiency a little bit, right? I burn less gas. However, to get my fuel efficiency, you know, two times better, driving better doesn't do it, right? I got to buy a new car, right? And and that that's that's the, when I say that water and power authority needs to do better statement is not accurate is that doing better doesn't just fix our problem. We have to invest 
in the equivalent of a more efficient new car in terms of better you know, new efficient generation for the water and power authority. So that's how I would, would characterize those, those, you know, what was right and what was inaccurate. The, the, the biggest issue that the authority is deal, dealing with is the cost of the commodity. Is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. Where are we with respect to addressing that issue? So wh where we are is, you know, I mentioned a minute ago having a plan. Um, we have uh, uh, several pieces of that plan that are either in process or identified but need funding. Let me kind of talk about those pieces of the plan. Um, let's talk about the, the Wurtzilla generation, and we can certainly come back and talk in more detail about that. We have four new generators that are being installed on St. Thomas that are currently targeted to be online by the end of March. Um, th those generators um, will save us about $42 million a year in fuel costs. And to put that in perspective, our current annual fuel cost is about $180 million, right? So if we think about what that means, right, that's almost a 25% reduction in our cost of fuel. Those, those, that project is funded through HUD. Uh, so one of our federal partners, it's a very impactful project for us. And we're very grateful to that federal support for that because we don't have to put the cost of, of, of building and installing those generators into our customer rates. Right, but customers will get the benefit of, of the fuel. Um, so that's in process. Where, where we need investment is, particularly on the island of St. Croix, we need more efficient generation. I talked about earlier, you know, the inefficient old Chevrolet. We need to upgrade that, right? Our, we, can, we can buy a generator today that's over 50% more efficient than a generator that it would replace. Um, and that saves us, you know, about 12 to 13 million dollars of fuel cost a year, right? So we now we're talking about, you know, 42 plus another 10 to 12. We're talking 55 to 60 million dollars of fuel savings by those two initiatives combined. Um, and so, you know, the problem is, is that buying that new generator on St. Croix requires investment. Right. Um, we have line of sight potentially to some federal funding, but we need support to get that investment made. And that investment's not been approved. Um, and so, you know, we're sitting in a situation where we've identified the plan, right? But we, because the Water and Power Authority is in the financial condition that it's in, we, we have to have funding to execute that, that plan. The last piece that I'll talk about, and some other smaller pieces of it is, you know, I, hopefully a lot of the listeners, you know, have heard us talk about, you know, moving forward with the so big solar project on St. Croix. That project actually will not cost the Water and Power Authority any out-of-pocket expense until we start to buy electricity off of that off of that solar farm. But when we think about support, getting that solar farm in place, we need support of the GVI and the community in terms of land things like that, that we need to get that solar farm in, 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 in place. And so we have a plan. We've been executing the plan. Uh, we, have, we have looked for funding from every single source that we can get. We continue to do that. Um, and as soon as we can get that funding, we will, we will con advance the next initiative to try to structurally change the water and power. Why hasn't that investment been approved? I don't know. Neville, I don't know. Who, who is to approve it? The, the governing so, board? So it, it, would be, it would be a combination of the GVI and, and the federal partners. 
right? Um, and, and we're talking about investments that pay for themselves in a very, very short time, right? I, I think one of the things that, that I would think a lot of people might think is, oh, it's going to take five years, 10 years to fix the Water and Power Authority. Neville, our, our plan, we can, we can have it executed and implemented by second quarter of next year. Right outside of the solar, the solar will take about a year or a little more to do that. Right, but in terms of the more efficient generation, we, we we had a call with a provider yesterday. They can have a generator down here by the end of December and, and installed and in service by the end of January. Right, that'll save us thirteen million dollars a year in fuel, and it pays for itself in a year. Um, and so we, we're we're pushing every angle we can to try to get that you know get that support and get that investment. Well, given how we've struggled to get the white sellers online, why should we believe that you would have that ability to put that infrastructure in place that quickly, sir? Yep. And, and let's, I'm glad you asked that question about getting the white sellers online, mm-hmm. uh, Neville, because that, that came up a few weeks ago uh, about the timeline. There's, there's some outside, you know, I don't know, maybe like, special. Dynamics, so, dynamics, dynamics, yeah. Yeah, so, 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 you know, one of the things that we made a point of around some of that, the original agreement to install the Wurtzillas was a 21-month timeline, right? It wasn't a six-month timeline or a three-month timeline. So it was originally a 21-month timeline, which would have had them on in June of this year, right? Now, obviously, we missed that, okay? And, and we, have no, we have no excuses for that. We should not have missed that, right? Uh, but we did. Um, now, you know, we've been working hard and we have line of sight to, to end of March. Um, in fact, I, I didn't mention earlier, there's an outside chance we get them online in January. Uh, we've worked very closely with Wartzilla, who's our partner, uh, who's, who's developing that project to advance and accelerate the timeline. And so, um, yes, the Wartzillas are behind, but they were never envisioned to be a three, four, five, six month project in, in the first place. So, um, you know, the, the, you know, there's an element of trust here because your, your point is spot on, Neville. Why should people believe us? At some point, there does have to be some trust that, you know, there's new leadership of the Water and Power Authority. Uh, and again, back to our transparency and everything we've talked about, um, you know, we're telling people what we're doing. And at some point, we have to be given the, the ability to execute. Okay, let me let me start incorporating questions here from, from my listeners. Uh, let's go back to your statement uh, uh, where you referenced the new car as opposed to the old car. Should WAPA put that new car where it is or on the South Shore in the industrial area? Yeah, I, I, I hear a lot of people talk about moving the power plant to the South Shore, and, and I don't necessarily disagree with that. I haven't really, quite frankly, Neville, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about it because I'm so focused on addressing the near-term you know, problems of the Water and Power Authority, which is you know, our fuel cost mm-hmm. that you asked about earlier. I haven't really spent a lot of time thinking about it. In the short run, the generation that we would acquire would go on on, on the existing Richmond site, in part because we can use some of the existing infrastructure that's there, exhaust stacks and things of that nature, which one, makes it quicker to get this equipment installed and two, saves us money. Um, so y- yes, conceptually, maybe the power plant should move to the South Shore, but I- I'm-, I'm worried about fixing our high rates right now. If if I uh, walked up to the Water and Power Authority and told you I'm I'm capable of buying you out of the Vital deal, what what's the dollar figure right now? Yeah, I, Vital, not, Vital. I'm, I'm sorry, Vital. Right, right, right. So so our our headline obligation to Vital is approximately 150 million dollars. 
uh, today. Um, you know, the, the VTOL uh, charge uh, every month includes interest and penalties and interest and penalties, and they all compound on each other. So it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? The Water and Power Authority can't afford that. Um, one of the things I want to be very clear about is that from day one, when I arrived at the Water and Power Authority, and I've been, I've, I've talked to, to VTOL regularly, and I've been very clear with VTOL about this, is that I absolutely envision a path forward that resolves our you know, debt to VTOL. Um, is it going to be $150 million? No, because the Water and Power Authority can't afford that, right? But there is a commercially reasonable outcome to the VTOL arrangement that is mutually agreeable and beneficial to the Water and Power Authority and to VTOL. Um, I think there's some perception out there that the Water and Power Authority doesn't want to pay VTOL. That is not true, right? Um, but we need a reasonable resolution to the VTOL situation. No, no. Let me ask this question um, because it's, it's actually two parts. It's one thing to buy them out. What about the ability to maintain if, in fact, you buy them out? In terms of the ability to, to maintain the service, that is the, what they what they provide right now. Um, so, so how would we right. how, how would we go about filling that void? So let's let's talk about what they provide, and then I'll I'll talk about how we would fill the void. So Not a VTOL, VTOL provides three things. They they provide propane, so fuel. Um, we we prepay for that fuel. So we send VTOL money every day, and we burn fuel in exchange for that. The second service that VTOL provides is the propane comes in on a boat in, in liquid form, right? That has to be turned into gas, like propane, like we burn in our stoves at home or our, our barbecue grills at home. That gets turned into gas that we can then burn in the power plant, right? So that's the second piece of service that VTOL provides. That's called their operations and maintenance fee. We pay that. We pay it monthly. We pay it on time. Um, the third service that VTOL provides is VTOL built uh, the storage tanks and the various piping and other associated equipment to get propane on island and store it on island, both St. Croix and St. Thomas, and then to then vaporize or turn it into gas, right, that I just talked about was the operations and maintenance component of that, and then we burn that in the power plant. So, um, if, let, let, if we, let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there because we're, we're going to go to a break. So, uh, we burn that in power. We'll pick up the discussion at that point. Okay. I didn't mean okay. to, I didn't mean to cut you off, but uh, that's that's what we're dealing with here. We got Andy Smith, um, CEO for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, uh, making an appearance here and analyze this after an awesome first hour with Summer Sibley Brown talking agriculture. We'll be back right after this. for daily conversation with thoughtful guests and listeners from around the country. Fridays are home to our news roundups, where we answer your questions about the biggest stories of the week. I'm Jen White. This year, we continue to celebrate your freedom to listen, weigh in, and share what you're curious about. And with your help, we'll get to the heart of the story together. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1.
Hi, I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! Democracy Now! features ideas and voices from some of the best minds of this generation and previous ones, including activists, muckrakers, visionaries, artists, risk takers, academics, and just folks, as in the most just folks who share a commitment to truth, democracy, justice, diversity, equality, and peace. Catch Democracy Now! at his new time, weekdays at 10 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1. Listening to the wings of a monarch butterfly, what a magical thought. They arrive here on the Day of the Dead, which we celebrate here in Mexico, and a lot of the indigenous people believe that it's the souls of their ancestors that are returning, you know? and it's very spiritual. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. Great question. That is a great question. And that's a great question. Wow, that's another great question. That's uh, that's a great question. Oh, that's a great. <laughs> that's a great question. That is a great question. What a great question. On Fresh Air, you'll hear unexpected questions and unexpected answers. Weekdays at 2 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. And we're back here to analyze this uh, great discussion going on with the CEO for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, Mr. Andrew Smith, affectionately known as Andy. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, uh, Neville. And again, good morning to all the listeners in the WAPA family. Thanks, everybody, for joining us this morning. So you were talking about um, Vital and, and the service they provide and what have you. We were, we were speaking hypothetically, of course. Um, so continue, if you will. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so to just wrap that up, um, so so VTOL has a third party uh, subcontractor that operates their system. Uh, and so if we were to assume ownership of of the system, um, you know, certainly an option would be it would be just to continue that third party service, uh, right, to continue to contract for it. Um, we might elect to operate it internally with our own employees. There may be some blend of transition where we continue to use a contractor for six months or a year and then we operate it ourselves. You know, that would be to be determined, but but I, I am very confident that we could assume operation of that facility if we needed to. Okay, good. Now let me start asking some more questions here. Um, one of the, um, clearly this is somebody in the know, um, one of the qualifying facility holders has property on St. Croix. What's the status of that? So what, what that question relates to for the listeners is, we are talking to several solar developers uh, about you know b- building solar farms for us on St. Croix. And one of the key elements of developing a solar farm uh, is to actually have possession of the land, right? You obviously have to have a piece of land to put solar panels out there. And so what a qualifying facility means is that the Public Services Commission has granted that status to a company. Uh, we have several companies engaged with us that are qualifying facilities. Uh, and we continue to talk to them about developing developing solar projects, and and we're hoping to advance that, you know, fairly quickly uh, here in the coming weeks and months to to get those projects underway. Okay, good. Now you've seen the solar facilities um, propping up here on the island. Um, you saw the one by the court, the district court here on Saint Croix. What, what's your take on those from the from the naked eye? Yeah. So one of the things that is is 
not good for the water and power authority is because our high rate, and this comes back to the, you know, to the plan, right? And the execution of the plan, because our rates have been so high, a lot of people have moved away from lava, um, right? They've gone to solar panels on their homes or out in their yard, a battery in the carport if they, if they have that. And one of the things that's very unfortunate about that is that it leaves behind the people who can least afford to go out and get solar panels on their roof, right? And so that's a very, from my perspective, I understand why people do it, right? It's in their own best interest, but it's very destructive for the poorer com- members of our community because they can't leave, right? And so one of the things I, I take very personally is fixing the water and power. Program. That's one of the reasons I, I, I'm here is that I, I see, you know, if we're successful in when, when what we need to do Right. We will be able to lower the cost of electricity for those in our community who most need it. Well, you know, let, 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 let's talk. Let's talk economic and math here as a result of, of what we're talking about, where you have um, current customers who are moving away from the authority and going the solar route. In doing that, um, that decreases revenue for the authority. Correct. That is correct. Now, if that's the case then are we encouraging WAPA employees um, to get into entrepreneurship? They don't necessarily have to work for WAPA. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not telling people how to live their life, but they could be providing that service on the private side um, based on their institutional knowledge where folks are going the, the solar panel route and they're going to need people to, to service and maintain that infrastructure. Neville, what do you, what are you doing? You want all my employees to quit? Come on. <laughs> I, 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 you I, I, no, no. That. You said you made it clear earlier that you're being real with people, right? Yeah. You, you're telling them the truth, right? Which allows for you to be comfortable because you're not mama guying anybody, right? You're telling them what the deal is with the Water and Power Authority. If, in fact, right, we have folks who are deciding they want to go the solar panel route, then that reduces your revenue base. And that impacts your ability to pay your employees. I'm just being real. I'm a money man just like you. You know what I'm saying? No, no, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Neville. You know, but I, I, I ask for our employees to focus on fixing WAPA. Yeah. Uh, right? We have a lot of great, talented men and women in the authority. Uh, you know, one of the things that we did recently is, is for, for people on St. Thomas, if you go over by the Home Depot and the Cinema Market Square, you'll, you'll see some, some new trailers. That are out there and you'll see WAPA bucket trucks out there. That's where our linemen uh, work. Mm. Uh, they were they were previously in a different location that we leased. The location was in deplorable condition. Um, and you know, you think about that, you know, if you come, you know, I've been I've been in your studio now where you got a nice studio over there, nice comfy couch, right? You know, if I come on your show and I'm sitting on a couch and a, and a spring pokes me in the behind, <laughs> right? And I'm uncomfortable and I got a cramp in my back. You ain't coming right? back. That doesn't really want me to, you know, have a really good conversation with yeah. you, right? Um, and so, so think about that same dynamic where, you know, if you show up to work every day and the office is in bad shape, you know, the the the, the, the dirt out in the yards, holes and mud and everything everywhere. So, so we we've, we've moved our employees into a much better uh, location uh, over in, in Market Square. That saves us two hundred and forty thousand dollars a year. Right. And so so when I th- ask our employees to focus on, you know, improving the Water and Power Authority, we, the Water and Power Authority did all of that work ourselves. Right. We bought the trailers, obviously, because we don't know how to build trailers. Um, we bought the concrete and we had to use, use a third party crane to get them in place. But everything else was done by our employees, the plumbing, 
the information technology, right? All of the carpentry work. And so, you know, the ingenuity and the capability of our workforce is, is, is beyond impressive to me. And so, um, you know, I don't like you telling them to quit. I want them to stay. Um, but you know, I'd like them to focus on, you know, again, we talk about the path forward here. I, I have a very clear vision and I have an absolutely firm belief that we can fix this company and we can do it with the men and women that are here. Let me ask a question verbatim I sent to me. Good morning. Ask what's the annual savings by using propane versus number two oil as the fuel supply. Uh, I, I, I'm of, I'm of the, I was told that you use both and one is a, a backup um, commodity. Could you explain that if you will? Absolutely. Um, so what, the way that we run our system is St. Croix operates 100% on propane. Um, St. Thomas, um, we have to burn diesel in one of our units or one of our power plants because it cannot currently operate on propane. Um, and when you take the blend of St. Thomas and St. Croix, we generate our electricity with about 80% propane and about 20% diesel, um, right? And so now obviously a little bit, that's more on St. Thomas because we don't normally burn diesel on, on, on St. Croix. Right now, diesel is 2.2 times more expensive than propane is, right? And so if you think about our annual fuel cost is about $180 million, right? If we burned all diesel, you could basically double that number. So as it stands right now, St. Croix is 100% propane? That's correct. St. Thomas, 80-20? Uh, 80-20 for the total company. So St. Thomas is probably more like 70-30. 70-30, and, okay. and then when you blend the two the two territory or the two two districts together, you get to that 80-20. Okay, okay, good. Now, um, let's talk about the, the government's contribution monthly. How much is it? $7 million? Right. So we, we're getting, on average, about $4 million a month uh, in fuel support from the GBI. Okay. And the, the that represents, what, a 30 40% cost for the fuel? Um, it, that's that's roughly thirty to that's about right. It's about thirty to forty percent. You know, maybe maybe half depending on the month. Um, because when we buy diesel, um, you know, the, the fuel cost is higher in those periods. So our fuel cost is what uh, fifteen million dollars a month thereabouts. That, that's that's about right. That's where you get the hundred and eighty million, right? That's correct. Um, we can't be living like that. Um. Mr. CEO, not in 2020, not in 20, not in, not, not in the 2020 uh, decade. There's something okay. fundamentally wrong with that. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I know we're dealing with the the Ukrainian invasion, and that's impacting everything, and you know drives up costs and all that. But uh, with all due respect, given what we've been through, given our knowledge and our um, rhetorical commitment to alternative uh, energies, uh, alternative forms of energy. Something's fundamentally wrong with us being in this predicament at this particular point. I, I, I could not agree more. Um, and that's why we talked earlier about solar. There was the question about the, the qualifying facility. Um, we, are, we are driving hard uh, to get as much solar and battery storage uh, in place as we can for exactly the reason that you described. Um, right. We're looking at wind power um, and, and that, you know, we, we, we need to advance the initiatives that exactly you're talking about. And again, one of the things, you know, I talked earlier about the timeline where, you know, we can address our commodity cost in a very near term. 
right, with some new, more efficient generation, right? And we can we can materially change the amount of, of money we pay for fuel. The second piece of that is the solar projects. And, you know, these solar projects are not three, four, five-year projects, right? We're looking at projects that can be online in 12 months, right? Which is, you know, in the grand scheme of things, a relatively short period of time. And so I, I could not agree with you more that we need to be moving the Water and Power Authority into the 21st century. One of the things that I, I focus on, you know, is that I have, I'm under a three-year contract. And, I, you know, will I be here after the three years? That's not up to me, right? It's up to my board, right? But regardless of when my tenure is done at the Water and Power Authority, I want to leave a lasting legacy. And solar is a lasting legacy, right? Um, th those assets would be in service for the community for the next 30 years at a very low cost relative to what we pay for fuel today. And so, um, you know, that is very critical to me as I think about our path forward. I recently was on vacation. I drove from New York City area to Toronto, drove through the western part of uh, New York, um, saw uh, the wind farms uh, on my way up, took a different route on my way back down, Saw wind farms again, a completely different route. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very candid. Why can't we just start doing things instead of looking for reasons not to do things with respect to wind farms? You know, people complain about the aesthetics, but the reality is um, they serve a purpose and it can be beneficial to us in certain parts of the territory. Yes, absolutely agree. And, and we are in conversations about about developing wind. Um, because a couple of things that, to your point, some people don't like to look at the at the, at the wind farm. The big propellers and all that stuff, yeah, but the and, reality is, that, you know. That's right. Yeah. Well, and one of the advantages of, of wind, right, we talked about solar a minute ago. Well, obviously the sun doesn't shine at night, right? Well, the wind blows, assuming it's a windy day, the wind blows 24 hours a day. Right. So one of the advantages that wind has is that wind can provide renewable energy overnight that solar can't do unless you have battery storage, right, to discharge your batteries onto the grid. So we are absolutely looking at, at wind this wind as well. And you, you made a comment, Neville, that I think is very interesting and telling, is that I've run into situations where, you know, the Water and Power Authority historically has come up with reasons to say no when the right answer was yes. And I don't know why that happened, but it's unfortunate that it did, um, because one of the things that we talk about the timeline is it, it took years to get the Water and Power Authority into the condition that it's in. Um, and you know, we're, we're here with a timeline that, that is not that long to fix you know, a major you know, transformation of the Water and Power Authority, solar, wind farms, new generation, right? And we haven't even talked about all of our federal partners. And the help, you know, the, the projects and the investment that they're making in us. I mean, we we're on the cusp of tipping the scale, right? And we we just need a little bit of a push to get over the to get over the hurdle. Okay, um, I'm getting questions from virtual who's who. They'll remain anonymous uh, <laughs> this morning, but there's some great questions. So so here's another one: When that funding source is no more, which is the government subsidy? Of course, we hope that. You know, we can be efficient enough that it's not uh, necessary. What happens to the levelized energy adjustment clause, affectionately known, anonymously known as the LIAC? Right. So, so Neville, I, I, have, I have been asked about, you know, am I going to intend to raise rates? I have no intention of raising rates, right? That is, that is not in the plan. It never has been in the plan. 
uh, right? And our, our community cannot bear the cost of an increase in rates. Um, you know, our rate is already high. You talked earlier about people putting rooftop solar on and leaving the water and power authority. If rates go up, that leaving the authority only accelerates, right? Um, and, and to the point of, of, you know, what happens to the LEAC and government support potentially going away, I mentioned just a minute ago, you know, we're, we're at the tipping point, right, where, where we can literally, you know, transform this company. And again, it's not a, it's not a five-year transformation, right? I keep talking about second quarter of next year, right, with some investment, you know, we, we, can, we can dramatically change that, that dynamic, right? And, and we, we have to continue to have GBI support, right? We have to have it um, because otherwise we have no ability to pay for our fuel, Right, and we have no ability to invest in you know the more efficient generation and other things that we uh, you know that, that that we need, and and it's a it's a chicken and an egg thing, right? If we if we I mentioned earlier the savings of getting more efficient power plants, right? Well, if we don't invest in that, our cost of fuel remains high. Right? If we invest in the power plant, our cost of fuel goes down. Right? So which are we going to do? Right? We can keep just supporting fuel, right, and just burning it and getting electricity for it. Or we can make the investment in the equipment and the machines that structurally change the amount of fuel we burn, and therefore means that we don't need fuel support. And the plan that I talked about to second quarter, Neville, assuming that power, you know, sorry, assuming that commodity prices don't go up from here, that second quarter plan gets us off of government support. We don't need it anymore, right? And so, so that's what I keep talking about. We're at the tipping point. We're at the tipping point, mm-hmm. right? It's not like we do all this work and we get to second quarter, and I'm still calling Governor Bryan and saying I need help. Right. I can get to where I don't need I don't need that fuel help. You know, um, I, I'm going you know, venture into um, <clears throat> a politically based uh, question here. And it's not local politics. It's actually national politics. One of the arguments on the right. Right. Is uh, has been about our support for Ukraine and um, the president um, within the last 24 hours has stated that. They want more emergency uh, aid for Ukraine. The number is $37 billion. So we're going to a break. I want you to think this over. The insular possessions, Guam, American Samoa, CNMI, the Virgin Islands, additional, uh, as well as Puerto Rico, even, it could even include Hawaii and Alaska for obvious reasons because they're not part of the contiguous 48. Our energy situations are unique. Some of us are not, the majority of us, the five of us, six of us are not grid connected. Um, why can't we, um, you know, make a, a collaborative request of the federal government um, to really address our isolated energy needs so that we're not in this predicament anymore going forward? I mean, that's what vision and leadership requires. So I want you to think about that, you know, a joint, a joint effort with the other insular possessions and legitimate funding to make um, our infrastructure, uh, harden our infrastructure uh, respectively um, here in the in, in the Caribbean, in the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Rim. Think about that. We'll be back right after this. I'm Scott Tong from Public Radio's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. We bring you all the news that happens between the morning headlines and the afternoon wrap-up. Plus, conversations with authors and artists, stories that affect you, maybe a story about you. 
So join us for NPR's Midday News Magazine, Here and Now. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. Right here on WTJX FM 93.1. I'm Attorney General Denise George. How much do you know about Virgin Islands laws? Injustices can happen anywhere and in situations where we least expect. I make it my mission to empower you with knowledge about our laws and the issues that affect our Virgin Islands community. Join me on Justice Matters, a new talk show that aims to inform you and engage you to be a part of the solution. Saturdays at 11.30 a.m. on WTJX-FM 93.1. Banking for your business. At Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go. And our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com Some people won't give you the real talk on drugs, but it's time we know the facts. Fentanyl is often laced into illicit drugs and used to make fake versions of prescription pills. You can't see it, taste it, or smell it. Suppliers mix fentanyl into their products because it's potent and cheap, and the dealer might not even know. Keep yourself and others safe by knowing the real deal on fentanyl. Get the facts. Go to realdealonfentanyl.com. This message is brought to you by the Ad Council. We're back here analyze this and I and I got a, a, a former I got a couple of former senators telling me about myself yeah uh during the break. I also got um some agency heads as well. I, I got a great I got a great question uh question panel uh uh here this morning while I talk with the CEO for the Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, uh, Mr. Andrew Smith. Good morning once again, kind sir. Glad to have you on. Good morning, Neville. Glad to be on. And good morning to all the listeners again, as well as the WAPA family. Good. So I was I, I asked this question. Uh, an announcement was made about a month ago, month and a half ago, um, by the Energy Office, and um, I was teasing the Energy Office Director, who is the Chairman of the WAPA Board, by the way, because one of the one of the insular possessions were not a part of that particular grant. Um, and I'm big on the insular possessions uh, coming together and making an argument on behalf of of us collectively because our situations are unique. We require a unique approach. And like I said, the right, which is the Republicans, they've been complaining about our support for Ukraine. And $37 billion is a lot of money. We, we could fix a lot of problems real quickly. Um, of course, if it's, if it's managed correctly and invested correctly uh, to address our energy needs uh in the insular possession. So what's, what's your take on that? Have we exhausted that ability uh, to the best of our ability? And if not, what can we do? Excuse me. So a couple of things I talk about on, on that level, because it's, it's a great point. Um, so first off, when I, yeah, I talked earlier about our plan in the second quarter and needing new generation, setting aside the fuel support that we talked about, of you know, the, the roughly four to 5 million a month we need, 
we're looking for 35 million dollars that's million with an m not b and it's only two numbers it's 35 million dollars it's not 350 million dollars it's not 500 million dollars so we don't need a massive amount of investment when you when you talk about the collaborative sort of collective request right of, of, of the various entities getting together that 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 actually runs counter a little bit to the way the federal government sees the process, right? What, what the federal partners are looking to do is identify the most impactful investments that it can make. And so to a certain extent, the, the federal process is to almost get projects to compete with each other, mm-hmm. right? And so then the federal government says, oh, okay, we see project A for, who, for whatever territory that may be for, right? Mm-hmm as more impactful than, than Project B, right? And that's how the, the resources get, get allocated. And I think one of the things that's important to note for, for the listeners is that our federal partners have invested a lot of money in the Virgin Islands, um, you know, with between composite poles, undergrounding of, of electrical infrastructure, our water system, there's a lot of investment that's coming in from our, from our federal partners, um, right? We, we have our federal partners, we just received a grant uh, to get, we bought one bucket truck with a previous grant. Uh, we just got a grant that's uh, a roughly a million dollars for us to go out buy other, um, you know, other hybrid bucket trucks. So we'll be looking to execute that. But we do work, as you talk about collaboratively, you mentioned Director Fleming, who's chairman of our board. Uh, he and I talk very regularly about what you're talking about, which is the holistic approach to what should we be requesting for, for support. I want to make one last point on federal dollars. Now, because I, I think I hear a lot of times out in the community, there's a misconception where people will say, WAP is getting all this federal money. Why is my rate so high? WAP is getting all this federal money. Why do they need support for fuel for the GBI? I'd like the audience to understand that federal dollars and internal WAPA activities are oil and water. They cannot mix. When the federal government supports a project for us, for example, I mentioned a hybrid bucket truck. I can only buy a hybrid bucket truck with those dollars. I can't do anything else with them. When the federal government invests in our composite pole program, I cannot do anything else but invest in composite poles with those dollars. And so I think there's a real misconception out uh, in, in a lot of people's minds that because we get all this federal support that we don't need anything else. And that's not true because we can't we can't do internal WAPA business with federal dollars. Well, the, the thinking there, you know, uh, it might be oil and water from a, uh, a expenditure uh, mandate perspective. However, the, the, the layperson like a Neville James, we want to know that the Water and Power Authority is investing whatever dollars is made available to the Virgin Islands government by the federal government or to, um, this, uh, to the authority um, that the investments are long term and reducing costs because efficiency, affordability, uh, reliability, the, 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 these are the tenets of, 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 of what will allow for the Water and Power Authority to be successful going forward. I absolutely agree. And, and we, we pursue any and all grants that we can identify. Um, we recently got a grant. Um, we have to do training for our alignment, uh, right? That's required training. The alignment obviously work in a very hazardous uh, you know, job. Um, we had that budgeted to pay for with internal Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority funds in our budget. Um, we were successful in securing a grant uh, for that training. And so you know, when we think about the rate, right, and what customers pay, our only source of revenue is our customers, 
right? And obviously, we need to be very careful with our customers' money. I, I tell our employees that when our customers pay their bill every month, they are trusting us with the funds that they send us to pay for their bill because that's what funds our operations. So if I'm able to go out and get grant funding for things like bucket trucks, training, you know, new generation, whatever it may be, right, that, that's something that I do not have to pay for right, through a collection of, of through, through rates from our customers, right? So that external investment is, is absolutely critical to us. And we, we pursue, in, excuse me, we pursue any and all avenues uh, that we can to go out and, and, and get that federal partner assistance. Okay, l- let, me, let me ask this, this, this very straightforward question based on how you found the system and, and the long-term plan where the recovery is concerned. A significant portion of monies that were made available to the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico in the aftermath of Irma and Maria was to uh, harden our energy infrastructure. You met the process uh, ongoing. You've been here since when, March, January? How long have you been in, uh, in this position, Mr. Mr. Smith? Since January the 10th. Since January of, of this year. And we've been talking recovery. Um, 2018 was when they made this appropriation. Where are we? Where hardening our infrastructure is concerned, uh, given what the federal government made available to us, um, 30% of, of, uh, of $8 billion is 2.4. Um, that's the ballpark figure. Are we are we on the right path, and where are we? We 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 are on the right path from that perspective. We're approximately the the, the main investment is in composite poles, which can withstand you know two hundred plus mile an hour winds, uh, and undergrounding, which undergrounding is just just exactly what it is. It's it's putting electrical wires under under the ground in conduit, uh, which is the most durable uh, way to you know to to set up the, the electrical system. That those projects collectively are approximately 75% done. Uh, and we continue to push those forward as we can, because to your point, um, that significantly should improve the reliability of our system. Uh, you know, when, when we have, when we have storm impacts and it's, and it's not just hurricanes, it's, it's any, any bad weather that we have, uh, that infrastructure will absolutely, absolutely help that. Um, so we are pushing that hard. Um, you know, for example, water, uh, the composite poles and undergrounding is in the electric side. In water, uh, we've been we've been uh, able to secure a grant uh, for what's called prudent replacement for St. Croix. Uh, that grant will be approximately a billion dollars uh, that will replace the water infrastructure on St. Croix. Our water infrastructure on St. Croix was damaged in the storms. Uh, we've had a, we had a significant increase in the amount of leaks post-storm. Uh, and so uh, FEMA has agreed that that system was damaged in the storm uh, and they are now funding the replacement of that. So, so we are absolutely pushing hard on all of those initiatives. Good thing. Let me ask this question um, that is not an infrastructure question. Did we ever recover that $2 million, $2 million that was siphoned from the authority? Um, so, roughly? So, so Neville, there's two things on, on that. One is um, that sits with the FBI. As far as really, you know, really, that, that's that, that, that's a federal bureau of investigation issue right now. That is correct. That sits with the federal bureau of investigation. We did uh, recover some of that money. We have insurance uh, that covers events like that. 
Um, we're under a confidentiality agreement with our insurer, so I can't disclose the amount that we recovered, but we did recover some of that money. And, and those who were negligent, uh, where the Water and Power Authority is concerned, are they being dealt with accordingly? They are no longer with the authority. They are no longer, and, and you're going to leave it at that, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> not a problem, not a problem, but they're no longer with the authority. Okay, we, um, you know, you know, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to take any further because you know I I could go off on a tangent, and, and I don't want to do that. Let's get back to the LIAC, right? How can we get our our uh, levelized energy adjustment clause, which is the fuel cost, in addition to the base rate? How can we get that combination to somewhere around twenty five to thirty five cents per kilowatt hour? Everything that we're talking about today, um, it's it's the near-term plan. Uh, I mean, I would I would like it to be lower, but I'm just being realistic. If we could get it to that range, that's a significant reduction from where we're at. It's, it's actually right, and that's one maybe to add a little a little comment around your point, Neville. Is I think it's well made that because there, there's a base amount of, of of infrastructure we have to have to provide service to, to our community. Right, because we're in the grand scheme of things in terms of our electric system, two separate islands, right, that are not interconnected, St. Thomas and St. Croix. Mm-hmm. St. John is interconnected with, with St. Thomas. But we run St. John, John. St. Thomas with St. John. I'm sorry, St. John, yeah. yeah. St. John, St. Thomas. So we run two separate and distinct systems. And so as a result, there, there's a point at which it will be almost impossible to get the rate below a certain level. Right, just because of the size. Correct. Of the territory. Correct. Right. I, I think I think that has not been articulated enough. The uniqueness of our situation, where half of our population is forty miles away from the other half, and the trench in between the the, the both of them makes it virtually impossible to do anything from a connectivity standpoint. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, in fact, in fact, the internet cable that goes from St. Thomas to St. Croix, it it doesn't touch the bottom all the way across. Right, it's suspended across the deepest part of the channel because the water is so deep yes. between St. Croix and St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right. It, that that unique independent grids is a significant challenge for us. So so that does limit our ability to structurally lower rates. But what but what have we talked about here? More efficient generation on St. Croix, um, getting solar on St. Croix, getting the Wartzillas online. All of those things reduce our our cost of making electricity. We operate within our budget. Right, the fuel cost is LIAC. Our base rate is our operating cost. It's our salaries. It's our vehicles. It's our debt service, and all of those things. That's our base rate. Right, our salaries are down this year versus last year. Uh, right, we're managing to our cost, and in fact, reducing those costs as we go forward. So all of those things result ultimately in lower costs for the authority that can translate into lower rates. Now, one of the things I talk a lot about, though, that I think is, is, is very important for our listeners to understand is that our cost of making electricity today is more than what we charge our customers for, right? Um, and so I, I always describe it as, you know, okay, we get a new generator on St. Croix, okay, I'm underwater, and I got to swim to the surface before I catch breath, right? So I got to get to the surface before I can start to lower rates, right? And we're below the surface. So a combination of all of those things can get us to work on rates, right? But one one thing in, in and of itself, so for example, the Wartzilla is coming online or new generation on, on St. Saint Croix, that will not get us to the point at current commodity prices 
where you know where, where we can go out and reduce rates. Now, combination of all of these things will get us there, uh, right? And I'm very very confident that it will. Um, but again, we've got to go out and get some investment and and you know get the get go get this plan executed. Final question: Is is a micronuclear um, infrastructure a realistic um, option in the Virgin Islands? No, I do not believe it is. Uh, and let me talk about a, a couple things around that. One, one is, um, you know, that's highly, it, it, it's complex. Mm-hmm. It's relatively new. Um, you know, I, the, the governor has, has used an expression a few times that I, I really like, which is, I don't need to go to Mars. I just want to go to Frederickstown, right? And so, so we, we, we need some dependable, reliable technology that, that everybody in the world uses. Um, right. And, th- and that that is what we need in the short run is dependable stuff that we can execute and own and operate. Andrew Smith, Virgin Islands Water and Power Authority, Chief Executive Officer. I want to thank you very much for making some time available to talk to us on this beautiful day in paradise. I wish you and the Water and Power Authority well, because a sound Water and Power Authority makes for a sound Virgin Islands and economic investment economic development, economic sustainability is dependent on the Water and Power Authority um, providing at its optimum levels for the people of the Virgin Islands. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. I always enjoy the questions, Neville. It's thoughtful, engaged conversation. Uh, you, like, you, like, you, like, you like the show? You like the show? I, do, I, I, do, I do like the show. Uh, so I always, always appreciate you having me on. And I, you know, I'd like to thank the audience for joining us. And most importantly, um, you know, I, I, I'd like to thank everybody at the Water and Power Authority. I know how hard you guys work, and it, it's deeply appreciated. So I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you very much, sir. Perfect timing there. Uh, great discussion. Thanks to all of you who asked, helped me to ask questions. I did not ask a majority of the questions, and of course, a lot of them were, a couple of them, three of them were elected officials, and one is an agency head, former elected officials, and one was an agency head. And of course, Summer, thank you very much for that great first hour. And Mr. Oppose Shiman in St. Thomas, I'm going to check with you when I get over there so we can talk about agriculture. Thanks a lot. Talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. You know exactly how you take your morning coffee. Knowing where to get news you can rely on is just as simple. Listen to Morning Edition from NPR News every weekday. From 6 to 8 a.m. here on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. You can also listen on demand via the WTJX app, available for download from the App Store in Google Play. So I spent the past year trying to figure out what news design for 21st century humans might look like. One of the things that really stuck with me was that we now know that humans actually need hope to get up in the morning. And I don't think as a journalist, I ever thought about it that way. We're always looking for new and better ways to understand the world we live in. That's On Point with me, Meghna Chakrabarty. Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands.